Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Kyle. Uh, I like to make things in my mind appear on a computer screen. Excellent. This is uh, Nick. I am an above average communicator of numbers. Hey guys, uh, this is Brent, and I'd like to think that I have more situational awareness than J.R. Smith. Uh, uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, if you don't know what I'm talking about, watch game one of the NBA Finals. <laughs> Welcome to episode know. three of If I May. Uh, let's go. So, uh, quick life updates. Number one, uh, my wife and I, we officially have an apartment in uh, Colorado. So, very exciting. It looks very nice. We have a bocce ball court. I didn't know they made those. I thought you just kind of grabbed the bocce balls and threw them around on grass. Apparently, there's legitimate courts for bocce ball. Uh, Kyle, question with that. Um, do you guys also have polo fields? Uh, and where do you store your horses? <laughs> you have a bocce field. It sounds like it's a pretty pretty ritzy place. No, 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 no polo place. But it is, it is very nice, and it's also uh, expensive. So that's exciting. But... We're we're not living outside of our means, but it'll it it looks like a resort. It's I we hopefully we should like it a lot. I, I think I heard something about a pool. Yeah, there's also a pool. Uh, it's got like it's like a junior Olympic one, year round heated with a spa next to it, uh, four lanes. It's also got one of those like I don't know what they're called. They're like the little ledges that are only like six inches deep, but people can like lay on them with like the lawn chairs or something and sun. I don't know what they're called, but it's like a little ledge. Like a patio? Yeah, but it's like part of the pool. It's like, it's just like six inches of water for like six feet, like a lane width. It's like an, it's like a five lane pool, but one of those lanes is only six inches deep for people like sunbathe on or whatever. They're in the water while they're sunbathing. Yeah, is yeah. That... Yeah, there's like, okay. a, there's like the standard pool size, but then there's just an extra little lip for uh, being six inches wet or I don't know. It looks cool though. Yeah. Yeah, so I've seen people at the pool where they have their lawn chairs and they bring it into the water and then they lay in their lawn chair. And I always wonder what's the point of that because you could just sit on the side, on the ground, <laughs> on the lawn chair, and you, you're not getting wet. Like, there's no difference where Zero if you're to, in the yeah, pool or I not. I don't quite get that either. I guess maybe you can get your toot, your little uh, if, tootsies. If, right? I, if I may, the, yeah. the easy access to the water while you're in a situation like that. It can be very hot when you're tanning in the sun, and it is you just ever, roll on over. ever so luxurious to just take your hand, place it in the water, and kind of rub it on your skin. Cool it down a little bit. Rub it on your skin. You can also just have lather your, it. Lather just, it. Just, just a splash. Just all right? a splash. Just a splash. splash. All right, now, get off my Of topic. course, one would, one would not be splashing if there were no splashing sign in this pool. I don't know if there's no splashing sign. I think splashing is okay. All right, question again for you, Kyle. Okay. Um, can your dogs are allowed at this? I I heard that are is you true. They're allowed they're, to bring your dog in the pool. I would assume not. Uh, I do not. We don't have a dog. We will be getting a dog. We don't know what kind yet. We'll keep you posted on that. But yeah, dogs are allowed. I'm assuming probably not in the pool. And then, uh, but dogs they're are allowed. Oh, first. they have a they have a sorry. I remembered they have a dog washing station. Like they literally have like a room that's heated that you can like bring your dog into and wash your dog. It's next level. All right, and speaking of apartments, Nick, you're you're looking for stuff. Uh, yes. At the moment, we are looking to move to a different area of Minneapolis, and have been meeting with a realtor and looking at the 
various online websites. Uh, Zillow has uh, been very successful for us in the past and currently, and uh, also looking at the potential of buying a house and, and what that may consist of. Um, not taking it too seriously at this point, but uh, if that's something we want to do in the coming years, I'd like to have uh, more market research than uh would be available if I were to just turn around and say, now's the time to buy a house and hope for the best that at that exact moment, the market's perfect because the likelihood that is uh, not going to be the case. So uh, we're trying to do our research now and gather as much information as possible. And, and that's, uh, that's all horribly exciting. And Brent, can you tell us what's going on with you lately? Yeah. What do you got? Well, uh, <laughs> I guess <laughs> he doesn't have a whole lot going on. Yeah. So no, will... Nothing going on with Brent. <laughs> I will proceed to jump into uh, my first topic for the day, which is uh, interview tips amongst the uh, many things I happen to have going on in my life. Um, I, I like to actively interview, uh, not that I'm looking to change jobs necessarily, but I, I firmly believe in keeping myself available and I'm not active uh, in the sense that I'm looking for jobs on Indeed or LinkedIn or anywhere else, but uh, I'm I'm fairly proud of my uh, my LinkedIn profile, so I'll uh, give myself some kudos there on having a, a well put together profile. And actually, I worked with a uh, former high school uh, friend of mine to kind of get that in shape and make it look as good as possible. And uh, I, I would say, on an average basis, I, I think I have one to two recruiters a day, uh, pretty much every day during the week who I, I get notifications for with respect to people checking out my profile. And as a result of that, I, I have probably three to five messages from recruiters offering um, you know, interviews for um, at least the first level interview for different jobs within the accounting and finance market in the Minneapolis area. Now it's a hot market and I have a skill set that's uh, I'm very fortunate uh, in demand. So um, I kind of pick and choose and I'm not looking for a, a horizontal move of any kind. I'd be looking for a, a vertical one. I'd like to you know, increase what I'm doing and what I'm, what I'm making. But um, as a result of one of these um, messages, there was an opportunity with a fairly large organization that um, I, I couldn't not take seriously. So went through the process there and uh, interviewing. Um, I, I like so to Ron, real quick, if I may. The LinkedIn profile. So LinkedIn is one of those sites that it's like, I feel like I need one. So I have one, but I don't really like look at it that much. I guess how mm -hmm. much value do you think you put on that? Like, should I, should, should I be sinking more time on my LinkedIn profile and actually having it look legit? Like, I don't even know if I've updated it since like, I guess it, I'll have to depends. update it when I transfer if, over to Colorado. If I may, if, if I may. Whoa, he does exist. Um, no, oh, that's what He's happened. <laughs> All right. So my, my mic unplugged. So that's why. If it sounded like I wasn't there, I that was stupid. Uh, anyway, <laughs> but, like you there. You, so you for, for LinkedIn, <laughs> I'm going to say this, that um, Kyle, you as an engineer have kind of a skill set, a job that LinkedIn is kind of made for something where, you know, you could get hired at any number of big corporation. Um, in my case, as a environmental educator, I find that LinkedIn sends me jobs like, oh, you could be a janitor. <laughs> and that's disheartening um, for these big companies. So it, it's one of those things where I think for you, if you're just to have that updated, you could get some pretty cool opportunities. Um, Nick as an accountant also is probably going to get some good action. Uh, but for me, I think the most interesting I got was some guy wanted to advertise his worm farm um, and thought I'd be interested in it. So uh, You'd be a great worm um, farmer. If, if I, may, I think it depends on your... 
Thing. Brent raises a a great point uh, regarding you know who who is the the targeted audience here um, a targeted audience for someone with a, a Brent's degree and career choice is is probably not your super tech savvy user of the internet who um, is is easily found on a website like that. Uh, the, People in his field don't typically communicate in that fashion. Now, uh, in your case, Kyle, I think I could probably dedicate an entire episode to to LinkedIn, uh, things to do, things not to do, uh, how you want to effectively market yourself and communicate, and I'd be happy to do that. Um, but that's that's probably a full a full skill set. To to answer your question, though, um, yes, this is something that uh, if you would like to seriously look at opportunities uh, within uh, other organizations at some point and you're flexible enough to, to make a change or would like to be presented with options, um, if you if you put in perhaps an hour to two uh, an hour to two hours of time working with me to, or, or someone else, I won't say I'm amazing. I I've taken all my notes from a friend from high school. Like I mentioned, Gary. Um, and then I have been to a few seminars where uh, I want to give him his last name, uh, but yeah, Gary was, Gary was the guy with that kind of communication. And the man. Um, I was able to pick up uh, through some speaking seminars I attended through work, um, a number of LinkedIn tips and how it's properly used and different things you can uh, list on there. And you do want to have some personal things, but uh, again, I could, I could dive into, you know, a, a whole episode essentially of, of LinkedIn tips and tricks. And if that's something you'd like to do at some point, I know you're in the middle of transferring positions. So now might not be the perfect time, but yeah, I'm, uh, I'm okay for, for up. I'm legally obligated for at least six months. <laughs> if you want to set something up though um i could definitely do contractually that. there you go and as to, to brent's point earlier um being an engineer um you you will be um far more coveted on on a website like that um and i've definitely i've gotten age. a couple of recruiters hit me up here and there but i just never really pay attention to linkedin or throw my stuff up and, there so and you if that's the case then you'll probably have a heck of a lot more if you have the right terminology uh the right presentation of the information um you'll you'll be batting them away um trying to keep your space but um it's a good place to be it's kind of fun so and if and if i may you're in a spot too where you can be picky i mean you're in an option where you already have a very good career going for you you're comfortable you you don't have to move unless you absolutely want to or something blows you away so i mean it's it's kind of the fun of it is now you can kind of just let them come to you instead of having to do all the work uh, yeah, oh, absolutely. And, and, yeah, my, my current company that I work for has definitely uh, treated me right. So I'm, I'm pretty happy there. So yeah, I'm good for now, but I, I think it's one of those things I, yeah, I probably should uh, update my LinkedIn profile at some point just to have that there just in case. You never know. But Oh, absolutely. So Brent, so, we, if I may, so if, I, if, I, if, I may yeah. if I may, I had technical difficulties uh, or just difficulties. Maybe I don't have more situational awareness than uh, J.R. Smith, but... I am going to give you a life update of what I was doing this past weekend, and that was the state track meet. Uh, we brought down for our team 33 athletes uh, on the boys and girls track you coach program. coach a high school team? Yes, high school track. It was uh, the state track meet this week, and uh, 33 is a phenomenal number, um, and you would think with that big of a group of people that we could get somebody to get some sort of points, uh, but we were shut out. Wait, and how many people kind of are on your team total? Uh, 
boys had 120, girls had 90. So, I mean, out of 200, getting 30 is actually a phenomenal number. I I think we brought the most. They said at the the dorm that we stayed at that we brought the most. We had the most rooms out of everybody. So, that seems like we're kind of a big, big school. You're a big deal. Um, But it was was an amazing experience. I think anytime you go to a state competition of – of any sport, um, you just get some phenomenal talent, and I saw some performances that just blew me away. It was it was it was really cool to be a part of, um, but it was also just dis- disappointing that we didn't get anybody on the podium. We didn't get anyone getting medals around their necks. Um, we just had a lot of, you know, we didn't perform the way we were supposed to, and I think that was disappointing. But I, I was thinking, and this is kind of what I'd like to talk about a little bit today. Um, through that meet was we're at this meet and we took for one of our relays we took 10th which was last in our heat we're the very last but then you think about it and even though we took 10th and we were last we were still 10th overall in the state (laughs) so I mean we're the 10th best team in the state but yeah at the same time we like we didn't do very well at me and we like it stunk because we weren't there but you think about a broad term it's like 10th best and I, I i think um you guys have both been high school and in Nick's case college athlete um at what point do you feel is success worth celebrating or you know should we be super excited that we're 10th or is that being disappointed that we didn't beat some teams at the race if i may i think it's a lot of how much like if you, I think it's kind of that classic kind of mushy thing where it's like, did you do your best? Yes. Well, then yes, you're pr- be proud. But if you went out there and they were like, uh, staying up super late the night before, or like you know not to the level they should be, or you know we're messing around, then yeah, maybe there is there's definitely a learning lesson there. So yeah, I, th- I think it's definitely a in the view of the person competing. If they know they did their best, then they should be proud of it. If uh, they could have done better, and they know they could have done better, then. Uh, you if know. if I may, uh, along that same train of thought, um, this may be a bit socialist of me, which is not something I would ever claim to be by any means. Um, with with the the life experience I have thus far, um, I, I, I have to agree with Kyle in the sense that um, you know a team is yes, you, you want to go out and you want to win everything all the time. That's that's what everyone wants, but it's it's unrealistic. There are a very special few who. Uh, are the best at something or will have careers at the next level, especially uh, with running and going to college. And um, I guess my personal thought on on the matter with athletics in high school and frankly, even in college, again, I I get the drive to win. I've had that. I've been there. I've done that. Uh, Well, I'm not going to say I I won everything. Certainly I I experienced plenty of losses. I was was on a basketball team that won two games my senior year. So I've, I've done very well in some sports and very poorly in others. So, um, that being said, when you, when you look at the high school sports experience, I, I think it's more about growing as a person and and learning to to have the right kinds of habits in the future. I mean, gym class and, and Kyle, your your wife is a, a gym teacher or was briefly a, a FIA teacher. What, Apparently, what you don't ever call a FIA teacher a gym teacher. Excuse me. Excuse oh, that's me. a that's a whole that's a whole another conversation. Goodness, I <laughs> but don't get me started. Teaching teaching life lessons and wellness and there's so many life lessons in sports but if if you have athletes who simply do not have the talent to to win number one and to to 
compete at the next level. Um, I, I would always be a proponent of saying, where did they start the season and where did they end it? And it doesn't even always have to be athletically. I mean, you'd like it to be, especially if you're working as hard as you, you know, probably should be. Um, but even as people, that's one thing I can say in the football program that I grew up in for high school. Uh, there wasn't one person who went through that program who wasn't a better person at the end of it. Um, you know, I had a group of coaches that if they, if they said to jump off of a bridge, it was in our best interest as people to jump off that bridge. I mean, th- if, they I had may, that if I jump, you say how high. I, I think you're putting a little bit too much trust in a coach to jump off a bridge, but carry on. I mean, I get your point. Um, I think a lot of it too is just perception and relative and, and I think disappointment is honestly a part of sports. And that's a really, it's an excellent venue to learn about disappointment. Like I came off and I was really disappointed, but at the same time, how we put me in perspective, like, wait, we were 10th in state. That's phenomenal. Um, and also, you know, I think it can serve as motivation for a lot of the runners next year who didn't graduate and are able to come back and say, you know what, I can work harder. I can be better. So, you know, I think that, it's it's a good spot to learn how to be disappointed, and that's something that's kind of difficult. Well, how, what percentage of your team was seniors versus underclassmen? Uh, it was mostly underclass. I, the boys' team had I, I coached primarily primarily girls. Uh, the boys' team had more seniors. Um, the high school male tr- track athlete kind of peaks when they're a senior, uh, and for girls, they usually can come in ninth, tenth grade, and do a little bit better. So. If, if I may, I, I think you're missing the point of my earlier statements. You're, you're focusing on the athletic achievements, which, yes, um, worthy of note. And you always, you know, don't, don't ever lose that drive to win. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is if, if you're in the long game truly for coaching on, on any level, um, it is my firm belief that you should focus on developing good people uh, and showing the improvement from where they started at the beginning of the year to the end of the year. Um, you're going to have champions that come through. If you're, if you coach long enough that you're going to be able to coach and get excited about and, and you know, really push them to be the best that they can. The Michael be. Jordan's the but freak athletes. Those, those are going to be, those are going to be few and far between most likely, unless you have just a tank program or a, you know, a tank, <laughs> a tank uh, set up within a, a high school that that's what they're known <laughs> for. Um, but one thing you can always, or you should always be able to take away is that you had a group of people start the season um and at the end of the season they they weren't the same they were better for it uh that was more what i was trying to get at oh and and i agree with that um i i think that's what kind of happened this season so as a coach i'm proud of that and you i think the the hard thing i found being a coach is that you just want it so bad for your athletes because you see how much work they put into it and how much how dedicated they are and how much they've improved. So you want them to get that PR. You want them to achieve success because you 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 kind of root for them as a person. I mean, you're, you're coaching them and trying to get them to be their best, but at the same time, like I felt like a lot of times I was their biggest fan as well. You know? Okay, so if if I may, can I can I make a real quick joke about uh, business and being a professional along that uh, that same train of thought? I'll, I'll uh, it. defining defining success. Uh, if you ever are, are working on a project, and this is a demotivational quote uh, of sorts, <laughs> if you're ever if you're ever working on a project and you find you don't meet your goal or you fail at the end of the day, uh, the key to success is simply 
redefining failure or redefining success, changing those goals and then celebrating accordingly. <laughs> I like, uh, it's like since getting we into did it, we're 10th and stay. Well, since, since getting into like the business world, I think some of the business jargon is super funny. I like the, we like to have a, a, a basically like a low, uh, oh crap. I can't even think of the word now. Uh, promise low, but then exceed expectations. Crap. Set the bar low. No, yeah, but it's like uh, under promise and over deliver. That's the word. So basically, oh, like yeah. we're gonna tell you we can't do. We're we're we don't think we can do it. And then if we do do it, you'll be happy. Or if we do slightly more, you'll be happy. Like right, we, we never want to over promise and under deliver. Yeah. So we under promise and over deliver. Yes, naturally. If I, if I may, the the business world is. Do do they still use synergize? Uh, like that's still a big thing. I would say synergize is quite as big. That's a mostly laughed at term. And if you read any serious business articles of any variety, they address a certain terminology like that. And having worked uh, for a number of years now in, in several different business environments, there are people who have buzzwords or uh, they're, they're very easy to pick out when you, when you hear them. And synergy was one that blew up and, and became you know, recognized in, in, in many circles as a, a real thing. Now today, that kind of terminology has fallen off. It can still be referenced and used, but it sounds kind of cheesy, so most people avoid it. Uh, the ones I can speak to previously would consist of, okay, who's texting me? I guess all I do is I drink and I know things. Tyrion Lannister of Game of Thrones, ladies That's and gentlemen. That's a good one. That's a good one. Anyway, thank you. That is that is my text ringtone. At any rate, um, where I was going with that is I worked with for an organization and the sales guys had certain terminology uh, where you knew um, they were making they were trying to sell something and I mean, sell it in the sense of get our people to provide the service. They had a customer who was willing and ready to buy, but it may not have aligned with what we were attempting to accomplish strategically. So they would throw around words and, and things that would get executives, you know, they would, they knew what to say to turn somebody's head. And the, the words that were used in, in the company I'm speaking about was, uh, or were, excuse me, um, wheelhouse, uh, sweet spot, and um, <laughs> strategic, um, you know, if you if you brought, if you were trying to focus on we're going to be a call center, we're going to be the best gosh darn call center in the world. All of our new business will be for call centers. Um, you would the salesperson who had a buyer would bring in an opportunity and say, hey, guys, uh, I know this isn't what we were after initially, but this is right in our sweet spot. This is in our wheelhouse. This is a strategic investment. This is what and, we can do. Exactly. So they would say they knew the right words to turn the, the CEO's head to say, well, okay, we have this whole strategy over here, but Jim over here in sales says there's a great opportunity with great margin over here. So you still have those buzzwords. They're always going to exist. Synergy was one that was blew up and it, you know, it blew up and was accepted on uh, a mass scale throughout the business world. But I would say that one today, um, although it still has an applicable methodology and, and meaning behind it, um, if, if overused or said more than twice in a meeting, um, in, in all seriousness, it just becomes a bit of a joke. Uh, so, so just to put a today I learned into this thing, uh, a wheelhouse for those of you who do not know, and this is from Wikipedia to quote my source. You didn't know, um, so the, you were saying that and you weren't sure? Is the small enclosed parts of a bridge from a ship, um, which historically held the steering wheel. So if it's in your wheelhouse, it's where your steer steering wheel is. Just think about that. 
that's, that's fantastically deep. Thank you. <laughs> Anytime they say in the wheelhouse from now, I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, I'll get her in the right direction. I got yeah. her. I'll take a hard left. No, we'll go place, port. Place Sorry, the port. As a, uh, as yeah. a takeaway here, I didn't get to dive into my interview tips, but I understand we're coming up on the end of our desired time. Oh, no. Uh, I, I'd say let's keep – I got more time unless you want to get out. No, we're fine. Next, we can go to the next topic. We're only at yeah, okay, I want, five minutes. Well, I got my, my, anyway. my, uh, my topic got uh, sidelined by a, a quick hard left into LinkedIn world, which is its own separate uh, situation. Um, as far as the uh, original topic, which is interview tips, um, I was going to share my, my very quick tips, which I actually gave to a friend today while I was at Valley Fair. That should have been another uh, life update. Went to Valley Fair today, had a friend whose company uh, rents out the uh, park once a year for all of their employees to go to Valley Fair for free. And you can bring your family. Well, we all claim to be family so that we could go, which was uh, <laughs> your Facebook family, at least for today. Yeah. We're basically brothers. It's whatever. We're all Packer fans, except one of us, but he broke his collarbone. So take that justice. Um, <laughs> at any rate, <laughs> yes. Um, I, I had a friend asking about uh, the interviews and, and you know, the tips and tricks. And um, there were a few things that I, I always do for interviews. And I, I don't put a ton of effort into it because generally I'm a pretty good communicator, especially when it comes to talking about myself. Um, I'm a bit egotistical, a bit narcissistic, whatever you want to call it. I'm very good at, about, I'm very good at talking about myself. You're uh, talking is- up. Yes, uh, you know, which is great why we have a podcast. Or, yeah, oh, what is it called? So there's like upper, there's managing up and managing down. So like managing down is like taking care of the stuff that you need to take care of, up, care of, and managing up is making sure that your boss knows that you're really good at taking care of the stuff that you need to take care of. Yes. So uh, with with that knowledge, uh, most of my interviews are sharing things about myself, and it, it's basically a conversation that I would have with a friend. I can talk about all of my details there, so I don't need to worry about the stress that comes about, what am I going to say? I can't say the wrong thing. I do enough reading to stay active and up to date, so I'm, I'm probably ahead of a number of people, especially in the accounting and finance industry, where everyone talks to their shoes and is not able to be understood because they're not great speakers. Um So I have that advantage, uh, certainly right off the bat. But anyway, refocusing my interviewing tips, uh, the things that I like to do for a round two interview, there's always the screen for someone in HR or in my LinkedIn situations, I'm going through a recruiter first. So the recruiter has a rough idea of what they're looking for and really wants to cover the basics, check their boxes before they send it on to the actual hiring manager. Uh, those, those first round interviews, I can do those in my sleep. That's not a big deal. Um, and I'm not going to waste time on those. The second round interview where you would actually come in or you're talking to the manager um, is are where my tips really come in. Um, basics for at least my industry, accounting and finance, if you know who you're interviewing with ahead of time, um, it is absolutely policy that you should be looking up that individual on LinkedIn um, because LinkedIn will then give them a notification saying so-and-so was looking at your profile, uh, which is kind of creepy, but also useful in the sense that they now know that you're doing your homework. You look them up. And when you look them up, uh, it's it's not just to have that little notification come up, although that's handy. Um, the, the things that I look for are, are something I can connect to. If I was going to meet with an accountant who worked for uh, Coca-Cola and he's the hiring manager or she's the hiring manager. I love manager, Coca-Cola, I especially with the buddy, that buddy captain. <laughs> Good friends of mine. I yeah. met with them the 
Saturday, actually. Uh, at any rate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, gosh. All right. So example, we have a hiring manager from Coca-Cola. I- I've looked them up on LinkedIn and they're going to get the notice that Nick has looked at them uh, at this date and time. Uh, and they're going to say, okay, well, Nick was doing his prep. That's good. He's, he's actively engaged. He's not just doing a quick Google search. He's taking the time to look me up. That's good. Kind of when you look at their interview. profile, <laughs> ideally you want to do it the night before, uh, at least. It's fair point. We'll, we'll throw that in as a tip. Do your do your research ahead of time. At any rate, when you're on that person's profile, you want to find something you can connect with. I recommend writing down the person's name on your note sheet that you would take in. If you have a little portfolio, write down who you're meeting with, their name, and then two to three things you can pick out from their profile, something you can connect with. So this manager from Coca-Cola happens to have graduated from North Carolina. Well, hey, North Carolina, I didn't go there. I don't have that connection, but I am a basketball fan. And most North Carolina people probably are too. So what do I know about North Carolina? Well, uh, Mays is the last name of the senior player who did not go to the draft and will be coming back this year. So I can just say, hey, went to North Carolina and remember the comment about Mays. Okay, then um, beyond that, I can say he's worked for the current organization that I'm applying to, Coca-Cola, for the last 18 years. Okay, has worked here for 18 years. That's a very easy segue to make a connection to show you've done your research beyond the notification. Hey, Carly, nice to meet you. You're the hiring manager. Oh, hey, I noticed you uh, went to North Carolina. Did you see that Mays came back? The basketball team should look pretty good this year with him coming back. Easy in, easy out, good to go. As you're asking questions, hey, I'm wondering what the average tenure of an employee in this department is. I, I noticed when looking through your information, you've been here for for the last 18 years, 15, 20 years. Yeah, maybe you don't want to be that specific to 18 years, six months, and three days, but so you've been here the last 15 to 20 years. Can you tell me why you've stuck with the company? And that's a great way of asking a roundabout question of, you know, tell me about the culture. Why are you still here? I mean, that's fantastic. And that, tell me about it. So you're asking a question and acknowledging that you've done your homework. It shows you you're interested, you're actively engaged, little things like that. So taking the time, looking the person up and making those connections throughout the interview, don't force it. If, if there's never an opportunity, if they're just hammering you with questions and you can't throw something like that in, you know, there's no need at the end of the interview to, to do anything over the top. But if there's an opportunity where you weren't able to connect with somebody, but you still get a chance to shake their hand, Hey, I really appreciated your time. I, I know that you've been in the organization for for a long time, and, and your input, uh, your input, and the ability to answer my questions means a lot. Thank you for that. You know, just it's those little opportunities. They're they're there. Don't force them, but it it really goes a long way in showing you're interested, actively engaged, and connected, and it makes you a lot more personable. Um, again, stay away from the over overly specifics, though. The, I, I think the, the the research thing in general is definitely a really good tip. I know um, at the college I went to, they had a uh, uh, hiring event kind of thing where they'll bring in local companies or even, you know, just statewide companies have them come in and you can kind of go around and potentially get interviews for either jobs coming out of college or, you know, internships or co-ops. And then one of the things I did that was super useful is I literally just made like a little note card of every single one of the companies. Cause a lot of companies, when you hear their name, cause they'll, they'll give you, they give you a book of all the companies that are going to be there ahead of time. A lot of times with their, by, just by their name alone, you're not going to know what they do. So you have to kind of look them up. And so I'd make a little note card saying, you know, here's the company name, uh, 
here's what they do. Here's what I'm potentially interested in. And it may be like a question or something that I could ask that company. And I'd have a couple generic questions if I didn't have anything or if I wasn't that interested, but at least have it there. And I'd always draw, draw out like a little picture of Wisconsin and then put like a little like star kind of thing where they're located. Number one, I knew I wanted to be within mm-hmm, a couple nice. hours of where I was currently living because I didn't really want to move too far. And then number two, it shows the homework. And then I can say, oh, I see you're in uh, northeastern Wisconsin. Uh, like, how, do you guys go up to Menominee Marinette area like, or, you know, whatever? Mm-hmm. So that, that's, yeah, always, that's, that's a really good tip that's for if you, tip. if you have uh, those hiring fairs or whatever, I forgot what it was called. But, you know, the the company fairs at your college or university the uh the next tip i actually have uh is is one of those things that i sorry go ahead oh sorry no i i just want to put to the point and i think one thing that you two are both doing and it's a phenomenal tip is to um is just being personable um my dad told me one time uh, when he was applying for the job that he got that the guy the hiring person actually went out and took him and got a beer uh, with him. They, t- they went out to the bar afterwards after the interview uh, because the interviewer wanted to be able to work with somebody who he could go out and have a beer with. Um, it's a big and I thing. Think with the, it's a big deal. They're, they're lo- you're looking because you're, you're joining a team here. Not only do you have to have the skills and know-how, but you also have to be able to fit in um, and synergize. I mean, okay, that was lame, but synergize with the team. <laughs> you, you have to be able to, Bring it to come in you had to be able to come in and and be able to be someone that, hey, you're sitting next to me. I don't hate sitting next to you every day. I actually look forward to being there with you because it makes for a better work environment. That's that's a big part of it. Another, yeah, I guess point. kind of going off of that, if you have if wherever you're interviewing has some sort of like nice facility, like if it's a manufacturing facility or even an office space that like they make something or you know they do something special, you can ask for a tour potentially at the end of it, and if they have time, especially if they offer the tour or they're like, yes, that sounds like a great idea. That's another good opportunity to do that same kind of thing like Brent was saying is, you know, have that more one-on-one, a little bit more laid back interaction where you can bring stuff up. It also shows your uh, knowledge of the company and then the, it also can kind of show them the way you think. I know at one point in time I was interviewing for a, a co-op, which I was offered, but I ended up not taking it. And it was at a, a food processing facility. And so like the kind of questions I was able to pose for them like oh why don't you guys try doing that they're like great question can't do that because of this this and this but it shows that you're now thinking in the way that would impress them kind of you know you you have the right mindset on the questions you're asking or you know Mm -hmm. and then you have the more personal interaction yeah i would agree with that entirely uh, next tip, if I can jump into that one, is uh, bred from experience, unfortunately, uh, in this specific case. If the company you're applying to is uh, publicly traded, look up their financials. And I, I say that um, knowing how to look up financials if they are publicly traded and how to get to the appropriate information. But one of the organizations I joined was not publicly traded. I therefore was not able to look into their financial performance before accepting a, a job position, which I, I had. Um uh, and they were unfortunately clearly going bankrupt and I couldn't see that. And nobody said anything in the interviews, which, uh, left a sour taste in my mouth with respect to meeting with all these people being excited about a job and, um, you know, trying to turn things around. And, and when you say you want to turn things around, you're thinking, okay, well, they're not as making well, as much money as they like to do that. Yes, I did. Um, well, I, I was moving for 
other reasons as well. But um, I ended up jumping into an organization and because they weren't publicly traded, I couldn't see their financials as well. When I finally saw their financials, I, I thought I had put something you know, together incorrectly, um, but I, I hadn't. It was an accurate statement and there were a whole lot of really big red numbers, which turns out uh, means you're losing a lot of money. So um, if you have the ability, you want to look at a company's financials and certainly, if you can, you want to comment on their financial performance during the interview. Again, don't force it, but you can sit there and say, hey, I was, I was looking at your your financials uh, in preparation for this interview, and I'm kind of wondering, you know, what's what's the strategy? You guys seem to be doing very well. Um, you know, what what's creating your success, and how does how does my position affect that success? If I may, I think that that might be more for an accountant position that might be affected as an engineer. Mm-hmm. I think that's definitely something to, that's a good tip to look into to kind of see how they're doing, but I think not focusing the question towards financials, but what's like the business strategy in general would be a, maybe a better question to pose rather than directly uh, saying that, Hey, I looked up your financials. You're not doing too hot. What's up with that? Well, yeah, if, if it's, if it's looking poorly um, that's more of a red flag for you as a, a potential job um, you know, applicant, but, um, I would, regardless of, um, your position, accounting finance, that is a fair point. I'm obviously more interested in that than, than most would be. Um, I would still make the comment though, if you're able, you know, what is, what is the strategy or, you know, how does, how does what I do, uh, impact, um, you know, where this organization is going now, if you're the one cleaning toilets, you're not worried about that. You just need to, focus on on your thing and regardless of how well you clean the toilet it's not going to affect the you know organization as a whole but um still good to do your research uh, and and figure that out um because you won't be cleaning toilets for long if the company's not making money um it, it's it's tough to say because you don't want to kick an organization while it's down but uh one of the cold hard truths about business is a company doesn't owe you anything um and it's it's painful because i'm just a numbers guy and maybe this is me being biased but uh, a company doesn't owe you anything everyone wants to be loyal and preach you know great environment and that you would do anything for your coworkers. but uh time and time again in in business history uh it's cuts have business. been made to make to make numbers and yeah people hide behind the state oh it's just business or uh you need to do this or that and a lot of the inspirational speakers i listen to i'm a huge fan of uh, simon senek uh, addresses that yeah companies have set arbitrary goals. They want to make 30% margin. They want to have this kind of net profit. They want to be doing this well. And and one of the levers that, if you will, that you can pull in a business is to let people go because then you don't have to pay them. Um, and the fact that that people become a lever within, or, within an organization that you can just get rid of um, is, is far too common. And um, in that in the spirit of of that, um, you don't owe a company anything ever. Yeah, if they're not um, if they're it, not treating you right, my, then yeah. Yeah, and it sounds yeah. like you've had a great recent history or or history period, if you will, with your organization, which is awesome and a great story. And I, I wish you and the organization, um, you know, nothing but more and more success. But I've I've been exposed to a little bit of the opposite side of that coin, uh, especially going through a bankruptcy. Um, it is, it is, it is a battle. I mean, it's, you don't know. To clarify, anything, that's so. not your bankruptcy. That was the uh, company's bankruptcy. Correct. No, I, I, have, right. I have never gone bankrupt. 
if I may, this is kind of a really good life tip um, that you're talking about, and it's it's to look for red flags. You know, anywhere you're going, like if you're going to join an organization, you need to look and do your research, like you were saying earlier. You know, research what are they ta- being talked about in the news? What is their strategic plan for the future? How are they forecasting out? Because you're absolutely right. If you don't research ahead of time, you could be on the curb in, you know, six months because that's somehow how long it, you know. But the, but I think the thing is the signs are there. And um, and if you want to go on this a little bit more uh, as another tip, um, but I think part of the way you can find these red flags is during the interview. So are there questions that at least either of you hey, guys like I'm to ask? One moment, Brett, are you a little close to your microphone? Oh, sorry. I, You're blowing I it out a little bit. Dang it. Dang it. Technical difficulties. There you go. Um, no, so I was I was just um I was just wondering are there you know, interview questions or, or things that you can look for during your interview that can maybe give you an indication of this is a phenomenal place to work or this place is going down in the dumps. Yeah, no, that's 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 a great point. Um, circling back uh, to the comment you had earlier regarding um oh what was it i'm completely blanking right now well it kind of to answer brent's question is that you know basically asking you know what's the future plan of the company you know generic questions like that you know what's the what's the is what's the company growth looking like you know oh, yep. that, that kind of thing for, so to answer your question being... you go with company growth would be a good way to phrase that and ask that question mm-hmm. uh circling back to the uh being personable comments and, and it was really cool that your your father was able to get a beer with with that individual and he ended up getting that job that's 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 awesome that's you know what you want uh, uh, people you're comfortable working with people you're going to be around uh, one of the things i would say is if you do interview with an organization and you you don't have chemistry chances are they will they will feel the same way and frankly you you won't get the job but don't let that be a bad thing. Um, I would never recommend you pretend to be something you're not. If they need, you know, a super hyper peppy person and everyone there is super punctual and you're more of a laid back individual who, who still gets things done, hopefully. Um, and everyone there is just in your face and super happy peppy. And that's not who you are. Um, that's probably not going to be a great fit for you. They're going to have expectations that you're you're like them. You're you're one of them. If if you have that feel, don't try and become something you're not in the interview. Because if you do convince them, which depends on how good of an actor you are, um, that that you can be something and that's not who you are, um, that's going to lead to a lot of issues down the road and maybe some some hard hard feelings between you and your you know fellow employees where you come in and you represent yourself as as one thing and then in reality you show up and you're just horrible. Now, I don't have a, a perfect example that I'm willing to admit. Um, it wasn't me. It was someone that we gave the nod to because I'm, I'm someone who has historically helped with hiring decisions. And we brought in an individual who had, quote unquote, public accounting experience. And the individual in question did actually work in public accounting, um, but they never did anything. Uh, they never were anything that someone who has public accounting experience should be and uh this individual came in and it was it was not ideal uh we couldn't fire the individual but we we wanted to um because 
it, it just it wasn't there. The individual was more focused on things outside of work than uh, she potentially should have been, and um, it, it created a lot of issues on the team. Uh, I can't go into details, or I'll rather I'll say I'll, I'll choose not to go into details to uh, maintain the anonymity of the situation. But it was very clear that when she had gone through the interview process she claimed to be one thing and when she started to perform the work and even a year into it it just it wasn't the same you know it yeah. was she she put on an act and, and we bought it and we had to pay for it if i may, so if i oh, go ahead brent go ahead. no you first you first well i was i was gonna change topic so go ahead oh i i i would say um if if i may that feeling of being at like blindside like that uh reminds me a lot of actually something i heard about on the news a few weeks ago um so this is kind of hits a little close to home um it was probably probably two weeks ago i was hiking up on uh, mount Sai, which is just outside of Seattle, probably 30 minutes uh beautiful hike it was just walking through the pacific northwest kind of getting uh, acquainted with it uh before we move out there and I mean, it was a little foggy, so the view wasn't great, but you really kind of felt connected with nature. Um, and it turns out, actually, just two days after I was out there connecting to nature, uh, nature connected uh, with some people in the form of a cougar uh, jumping out on a couple of bicyclists and killing one of them, uh, which is an unfortunate situation. Um, and. I think it kind of puts in perspective of like, I was there. The I was, that cougar wild. could have been watching. Yeah, I you know, but I, I could have been walking. That could have been uh, me and my wife, which I think is crazy. And it's, it's hard to kind of put in perspective, you know, it's first off a terrible tragedy. Um, and it's, it's actually kind of uncommon. It's only, uh, here we go. If I may, factoid of the, the day or stat of the day, it's been like the second one in 90 plus years or something like that. Premier uh, attack. So it's not like it happens very frequently. Bring but back up a smidge. Oh, gosh, is it really that? I mean, that's sensitive. There you go. Whatever that was. Uh, yeah, you've been kind of off with your sound. Okay. Maybe you just had me turn up too much. Um. Anyway, though, it's just one of those things where it's like, do... I stopped hiking because this happened. Should I be concerned because like the wild is not necessarily a safe place for us humans? Or? So freak accidents happen all the time. Um, I guess one thing, I, actually my wife and I will have to uh, consider this as well because moving to Colorado, if we go hiking in the mountains, same story, like same stuff can happen. My uncle, one of my uncles actually used to live in Colorado and apparently he was biking up there and a cougar came out and he like raced down the mountain on his bike with a cougar like, ch like chasing him for a little bit so yeah definitely uh, something to keep in mind but i think it's one of those things where you just have to get a uh you know have something with you if you can have a uh a knife even or if you are able to do a concealed carry in the area that i mean that's definitely an option you know more as a deterrent to the animal and you know just to defend yourself i guess i don't know bring a knife with you yeah, I, I've always been a proponent of keeping a knife on me if I'm in the woods. And um, you know, the worst thing I could ever come across is a bear, and the chances of that are well, seeing a bear is not all that uncommon, especially in the Upper Peninsula. But um, even the few times that I've gone 
hiking or backpacking with Megan, I like to have uh, something on me, whether that's, yeah, the concealed carry or, or just a, a fairly sized knife to, to have something because I think something is better than nothing. It's it's the first time in ninety years. Well, I, I believe in and not not that I'm a marine or can ever claim to be anything amazing like that. But uh, some of their sayings, you know, uh, always prepared. I, I like to be always prepared. I, I respect that train of thought. Um, yeah, that's the biggest thing. Respecting the wild, you have to know. Hey, this is the wild. You have to know that that kind of thing could potentially happen. Yeah, hopefully you never need it. But um, if I ever do need it, I want to be one of the few who have something. It's so. it's kind of like, yeah, the conceal carry argument about, you know, why do you have to carry a gun on you? It's like step one to win a gunfight is to have a gun. So that's one of those things. That if, you, <laughs> if you don't have it with you, it's not going to help you. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, th- I think the thing that got me, too, is just that it hit so much like so close to home because it was, you know, I I was there. I was at that place just before it happened. And, and normally I think when I've gone hiking in the past, it's not something I normally think about, but. You know, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, oh my goodness, this very feasibly could have been, I mean, we were hiking, there weren't that many people around. There was a good chance that, you know, what if it was? And, and I mean, what's, what ifs you can play those all day, but it was just, I, I thought that was kind of crazy and just strange. I don't know. Yep. I mean, it's, it's still a very wild world out there. At any rate, with uh, that, do we have anything else we wanted to cover today? Yeah, I, I, I have a bigger topic which we can save till next time. But I guess one my, my topic that I can one of the smaller ones I can spit out there is just a, a Plex media server. It's basically like having you, you set it up on your own computer. There's a free version and there's also a paid version. The free version is pretty much the exact same functionality as the paid version. Except the paid version gives you a little bit extra customization on stuff. But uh, it's a media server, so you can set up on your computer. So if you have any uh, multimedia files, whether those be personal, even photos, uh, music from your iTunes, or uh, if you have any movies from the digital downloads, uh, a lot of, I know a lot of movies or DVDs and Blu-rays come with that you know, DVD download. Um, you can uh, set up a media server on your computer, and you basically have your computer as your own personal Netflix. So you can access them from anywhere in your house, as well as if you uh, have your password on, there's an app. Uh, for pretty much any device where you can go in and access that uh, through the internet as well and then have your videos that way you don't have to store them on your phone if you're going on a trip um, so pretty cool stuff so if you're interested in that Plex media server and uh, if there's for some reason a bunch of comments about that we can uh, I can make a short video and put it up on the Zarabust YouTube channel about uh, the basics of setting that up um, so for a closing st- oh, do you have wait 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 hold up oh, sorry, hold sorry up. go if ahead if I may before you conclude um, just a question off of that. Would you say that with the advent of Plex Media and as it grows in popularity, would this be kind of the beginning of the end of traditional media as we know it? I mean, people buying CDs, I don't think even happens as much as it used to. Um, DVDs, are those going to go by the wayside? You know, kind of like what Spotify did with music or? I would say most definitely. I think even not even Spotify, but like between Spotify, Pandora, even the Google Play Music Store and the iTunes Store, people don't want to carry around physical things. I know even like uh, playing Xbox. I mean, how many games do I, I don't? I can maybe have five physical discs. The rest of it's all just on the hard drive, digitally purchased, downloaded. Even like the Nintendo Switch, we have we have the Nintendo Switch. We have maybe five games total that are physical cartridges. The rest of the rest of them are all downloaded. 
So, uh, you know, if you don't, if for me personally, if I don't have to carry this stuff around, I'm all in. So yeah, I, I definitely think that DVDs and Blu-rays are going to fl- slowly phase out when, as far, when, you know, when digital media and the higher quality internet is spread around the uh, country. That's when the hackers strike. One of my uh, co-workers has uh, a really cool background uh, screen on his computer at work, and it's all of the outdated uh, media sources made into little uh, character figures that are... Uh, cassette, uh, 8-track, cr- yeah, all that. Yep, yep. Crying and holding hands, and I think above it it says, never forget, and you'd be a <laughs> fool to think if CDs weren't going to join that group uh, in the relatively near future. Definitely. I know um, uh, my brother, um, a couple years ago, when I was in high school... So more than a couple of years ago, but my dad found uh, somebody was throwing out a, like a big cr- milk crate full of records on their uh, front lawn. My dad picked them up, you know, just to rifle through them, see what, if there was anything good. And he had them in the back seat. We picked up my younger brother, Colin from school and he had those in the back seat. My, and Colin's like, what are these? My dad's like, oh yeah, there's some Pink Floyd, some Death Leopard, you know, some rock. I'm like, no, 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 dad, he doesn't understand what those are. He, he's never seen a record before. I was <laughs> like, oh, so yeah, it's it's kind of funny and yeah, technology evolves. It's kind of sad. I I feel like the one downside of not getting you know this physical thing is I always looked forward to going to the store, you know, setting up my money, going to the store, then physically purchasing it, having this disc in my hand, and being able to put it in and play for the first time. And there was kind of like a a journey to get to that. Where I feel like now it's you know if if I may was was the CD by Journey? No, no, <laughs> it was a it was a game. I'm sure. Uh, I think it was Battlefield 2142. Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, great game at the time. Not so much anymore. I think it still but, holds up fairly well. Anyhow, I guess but that's a different thing. Uh, but it's just I feel like one of those things is you know when I go on Steam or whatever it might be and I purchase a game, then all of a sudden I play it within five minutes i don't ever leave my chair i don't it's just kind of that one of those instant gratification things and i don't know if it's you know it's it's more practical but the non- nostalgic part of me which probably is kind of useless but who knows is, is kind of sad about it Some, sometimes you just want to blow out a cartridge oh you know the i bet just just to, you know give it a good clear that way it plays when in your nes that's another uh, favorite uh, reference of old technology. The uh, gamer t-shirt that has a picture of a Nintendo cartridge that just says, blow me above it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good. gosh. All right, all right. We're good on this. Final segment here. Final segment here. And listen, no no discussion. You can't you can't ask any, any questions. You just got to vote. Is a hamburger slash cheeseburger a sandwich? Nick. Hmm. Is a square a rectangle? By definition, it is. So your your vote is yes. It is a sandwich. Yes. Brent. So first off, the hamburger was discovered in Seymour, Wisconsin. So big plug to uh, the great state of Wisconsin. But I would say hashtag no discussion. I'm, this isn't really discussion. I'm just saying, in general, that some things transcend. No, no yes or no, Brent. It just it transcends what they are. So you know, they might be similar in the way they're created, but a hamburger transcends what a sandwich is and is not. 
a sandwich. It is greater than. So it's its own entity. It's not a sandwich. It's, it's above. It's a higher being. I my vote is that it is not a sandwich. I believe it is its own thing. And my my main point being the whole uh, bun situation. Now you might consider, oh, what about sub sandwiches? They're literally called sub sandwiches, but like that has, I don't know. I think it also depends on what's inside of it too, because like the a sub sandwich has like sliced meat, whereas a hamburger has ground beef that is put into a patty. That's my vote. All right, that's squares my cue. Squares and rectangles. <laughs> All right, I got to get going <laughs> right. uh, with that note. So That was episode three uh, of If I May. Hope you everybody enjoyed. Uh, again, we'll uh, be coming up, coming at you every single Thursday. Um, we're still on Anchor and YouTube and uh, hopefully sometime soon on iTunes and Google Play. We're uh, working on it. They are not Anchor. supposed to be this awesome thing and it's, it's turning into a little bit of a pain. So uh, we might just end up doing the whole iTunes and Google Play thing on our own. So we'll figure it out. But... On that note, we'll see you guys next time. Bye now.